episode 50 of Eager to Know. And for this special episode, I have three past guests who always have strong ideas and lots of opinions on any topic I present them. I am happy to share my conversation with artist Brad Leslie, tiny house designer Paul Schultz, and Chicago realtor Alex Walking. We all have a creative part of our brain, whether we use it or not, for generating new ideas, problem solving, and just viewing ourselves in this world. I am Ricky McGeckron, an artist living in Chicago, and I am eager to know and share with you all how people of a creative leaning have brought this way of thinking to the forefront and how it has shifted outcomes. So episode 50 of Eager to Know, I have three of my past guests on. So welcome, Paul, Brad, and Alex. So when we did episode 25, I had Alex and Paul And the format that we did is I talked about things that had come up on the podcast in the first 25 episodes. And I got their opinions because they're both very opinionated um, and it was very effective. So um, I'd like to do that again. So it's interesting because the first 25 episodes, you know, I noticed that there were a lot of commonalities that were coming up. It's happened from 25 to 50. It's happened as well, but it's a different a different set of things. So I'm not sure why that is. Does that sound good to you guys? Yeah. 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 So the first thing that has come up, and again, what's interesting is that this prob the reason why these all come up is probably because of me. Like I don't think that I'm consciously, you know, manifesting these topics. Um, but obviously it must must be coming from me. One of them is the concept of an active brain. And you know, a lot of people, many, many people have active brains. A lot of successful people have active brains. A lot of people that struggle in life have an active brain. And it's come up on quite a few episodes about this idea of an active brain can work against you or an active brain can work in your favor. Well, I, this is the first I've heard of the concept of an active brain. Um, to give me a quick, a quick description of what that is. Um, it basically, people that are constantly thinking and their brain is constantly going and they're constantly thinking about the past, thinking about the future, thinking about problems. And it's just, um, they're not those types of people that are just, ah, I'm at peace and I'm just in, in the moment. Um, these are people that are not. And they're constantly thinking and calculating. And again, I've found that a lot of people that are extremely successful have that. And and it's a source of creativity. It's a source of um, solving problems, envisioning problems ahead of time. But it also is the root of a lot of problems for some people. A lot of anxiety, it sounds like. (laughs) Yes. So can anybody relate to that idea of an active brain? Oh, God, yes. Mm-hmm. I can relate to it for sure. Now that you explain it that way, yeah, when I think about my daily brain activity, it, it doesn't stop. And it doesn't mean that it's stressful for me because I enjoy a lot of the things that, that go through my brain that go in and out and then turn into reality. Uh, it's just a lot of other people have a harder time because I, I do have a harder time to relax. And when I'm around friends, it's, it's, they're always, you're thinking again, you're, you're not with, 
I and I try to learn how to temper it when I'm around other people, but it's just a notion that it's a constant wheel. And it's all it's always been that way for me since birth. So I don't know if it was a learned behavior, it's just my mechanics. Right. Brad, what do you think about that? I think it I in in moderate doses, I think it works. But um what I what I have found more and more for myself, at least, is that I practice more mindfulness techniques to be in the moment so I can get out of my own way and actually be in the studio and, and do things in spite of, like you said, you know, worrying about the past or worrying about the future. I have to try to be more present. Alex, how about you? Yeah, I definitely have uh, an active brain. I find the way for me to calm that is with action because if you, all those ideas that come flowing into your head and they can really bog you down. And in one way that I've, I've helped calm that down actually, and I'll even show you my, my, you may not be able to see it, but I have written all over my window um, because I have ideas and I ran out of space on my whiteboard. So now I use my window. And what I find is that, you can have all kinds of ideas and all sounds great, but if you don't take action on any of them, number one, they're pointless. And number Mm -hmm. two, they will just completely take up all of your mental space. Yeah. Um, So what I find is that by, by actually taking action on some of those ideas, it kind of helps curb my enthusiasm, but it also helps focus my energy too. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So the reason why this, uh, this topic was interesting to me is because I, I do feel like the uh, it is something that it's like a double-edged sword because mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of people that really struggle in life in many aspects of life and they don't get the results that they want and they don't achieve goals because there's so much going on in their head and they're constantly projecting and worrying and thinking and processing. However, I think, and you find this in families where you will have like, you know, you'll have like one sibling really struggles and then another one excels. And I kind of feel like that's a a little bit about it. It's like they all have active brains and one of the siblings has figured out a way to take all of that and to find a way, like you just described, Alex, Mm -hmm. to direct it or use it. Um, use those processing cycles in a way that's effective, whereas other people can't, and it causes um, it, it, it causes problems for them. Well, to do everything is to focus on nothing. And if you're trying to do everything at one time or trying to be all things to all people, I mean, the, you're not getting anything done. It's kind of that that age old uh, argument that multitasking is not a real thing. I mean, you, you can't actually multitask. If you've got a hundred windows open out all the time, constantly trying to put out fires or do something, I mean, you're not doing anything particularly well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I think the action component kind of quiets down an active brain. To counteract that, I, I think it, it's nothing, it's not that nothing is getting done. It's about your relationship with your time because I work on multiple projects all day long and I'll shift gears. It could be every five minutes in order to be effective with my time. And that can be done poorly and that could be done really well. It's about training yourself to, to put your time into increments 
and then program those increments properly and, and focus on, like you said, one thing. Like if you want to do 15-minute increments, you can. But then once you set that time, move on to the next task. That way you're more effective with doing multiple items. Yeah, I, I, I agree. For me, about the multitasking, it doesn't really work. And it's a lot of static. What I find myself doing, because, um, Rick, what you said is, yeah, I, that's the kind of brain that I have, whether it's nature or nurture. But, yeah, I have to filter things out. And I have a lot of tools. I employ a lot of tools to, to, to do that. That's always, for me, that's always been the challenge. And that's why I like, in the morning I get up and one of the first things I do is create a to-do list or, you know, subtract or add things to it and then decide what time of day I'm going to try to do these things and then prioritize because I don't like to have all those things floating around in my head so I can just look at my phone and say, okay, what's next? Yeah. So that, that filters things. So this is great because you guys have, I see patterns in how you guys approach things uh, because Alex, you're always about action. Brad, you're always talking about tools and, <laughs> and Paul, you're always about how you think about things and like you organize things in your head. So that's very, that's very interesting. Well, cool. That's great. So a lot of the first 25 episodes, a lot of what we talked about was how to get things done. Don't be afraid and like break through, be confident. And even if you're afraid, you know, keep doing it and how to stay organized. This next phase of conversations, it tended to be a lot about figuring out what needs to be done. And I feel, so it's sort of like there's the tactics of getting things done. And then there is the strategy of let's assume that we can get anything done. Like we've figured all that out. How do you decide what you're going to do? How do you, you know, if everything is, you can accomplish anything, how do you figure out what the things that you're, what things you're going to work on? So there's a book that actually the, the founder and CEO of my company, Gary Keller, wrote. And it's a book called The One Thing. And he asks a, he gets to a question that we should all ask ourselves in any given situation, any given day. And it is, what's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else becomes easier or unnecessary? And it's a great book. It's a very quick read. But that question, it kind of goes to what Brad was talking about of making his to-do list and prioritizing. You know, when you frame it in that context of what's, what would make everything else easier or unnecessary, the answer becomes pretty clear of what it is you should be working on that day, whether it's working on your new project or something with a deadline or your fitness, your health. Um, it, could, it could be anything. I think that really helps if you don't know how to prioritize or what to prioritize, asking that question will definitely help. But what about deciding which project to work on? Mm, for you know me, what I mean? It's yeah. whatever pays the bills first. <laughs> exactly. Because the truth of the matter is when, you, when you're your own boss, you have to be responsible for the bill paying. Uh, but that doesn't mean you can't carve out a certain time of the day where you can do exploratory projects and new new nebulous type of projects and keep your everything moving 
but being responsible to uh, your just livelihood is, okay. I think is key. I also think that, so this is, this is what I'm finding lately as far as having, having a lot of things on a to-do list, but also carving out time to make sure that you're, that I am like replenishing the well. So I, I have to do things like exercise, like, you know, now, um, especially with this lockdown is just, you know, make sure that I get outside and go for a walk. And those are always hard things for me because, you know, I feel pressure, like Paul said, to get the, the things that pay the bills to get those done. But you have to keep the, the, um, the, the engine going. Self-care is, is, I'm incorporating that more and more as, as part of it. I find that what is the what is the expression um, you can chop more wood if the axe is sharp so you have to take time to do that um, and it may not seem okay I'm not getting this project done but then when I go back to it and I'm refreshed and I have new energy to do it then it gets then it gets done and it gets done more efficiently have any of you guys read the book the seven habits of highly effective people mm-hmm yeah. I have not read it, but it's actually sitting right here. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it's on my my stack of books to read. Okay. Um, I love it. I think it's great. Well, I like the first half. I think I like the first four habits. I think this I think the latter three aren't as interesting to me. Um, and I don't remember exactly what they are, but um I remember one of the things that he talked about was putting things on a grid and the things that you should be spending your time on are the things that are important, oh, right. not urgent. Yep. There's like four quadrants. There's like things that are important and urgent. Those are crises, you know, and then there's things that are not important and not, not urgent. And that's like time wasters and the things in it's about pr- being proactive and spending your time on the things that are not urgent, things like exercise. Uh, that's not urgent. That's not acting on you, but it's really important. Um, and ultimately, those are the types of things that, and so this all is relating because this relates to what you were saying too, Alex, about the one thing that's going to, you can do today that's going to eliminate other tasks. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of like the idea of proactivity, things that, and that takes a moment to, to back off from what's acting on you and to really think, okay, what can I be doing that is not acting on me um, that I can proactively do that's going to be helpful? Well, with regards to also getting things done, I, what I've noticed is that when, when you create your day and you say you're going to get you know, five or six or 10 things done, whatever that is, and you actually get those done, there's a, a personal mental high that you get from achieving, like keeping your word. It's keeping your word to yourself. It's integrity. And there are days when I get half of what I want to get done, and I, I don't feel that great because I overpromised or I underdelivered. But the days where I'm like, wow, look at look at everything I said would happen happened, and there I just feel like I could stay up another three hours and have fun doing something else. 
Rick, I like um, that method, though, too, that, that you were just describing in, um, in that book. And then he wrote another book. I think it elaborates more on that. It's called First Things First. I agree that a lot of things can feel urgent and important. And when you really examine them, they're not. So, like, I, I could be, you know, on my way to the studio to my studio and then you know I go in a drawer and I realize it needs to be organized and that seems like you know an urgent thing because I'm looking right at it in reality it's not so I, I you know I have to um, yeah I have to I have to kind of put things in those quadrants too I think that's a pretty good yeah system. and you know organizing a drawer drawer that makes you feel good because you have accomplished something small um, so I can totally relate to that type of thing. Um, I remember one thing I used to do when I worked in a, an advertising consulting company and I was, you know, kind of guiding the teams on one of the things I would always tell them to do is when you come in, the first thing in the morning is look at your calendar and not your email, um, and look at your calendar and plan out your day and set your, you know, your schedule out your time for the day, schedule out your time for the week before you look at your email because your email is all reactive, whereas your calendar is proactive and it sets your mind um, for the day. And it was very helpful. Yeah, that, that is, I, in fact, I read that someplace too. Um, I think it was the, um, because there's all these time management systems, but um, I, I also read uh, the book, Getting Things Done where I think he recommends not even opening your email until like three o'clock in the afternoon, because like you said, you know, it's, you're reacting and you're, you're letting other things come into your space and kind of crowd out, you know, what you might have on your, on your list. Totally. Brad, like I, I have an extensive uh, to-do list on paper. For me, it has to be analog. Because uh, I like to scratch things off, but I w over time, what I've realized is, as I have about ten different types of to-do lists that I can employ. <laughs> of course, you do. Well, <laughs> the same form. So sometimes there, it's a, it's color coded. Sometimes it's numbered, and sometimes it's uh, grouped uh, into just three major sections, depending on that day's needs. Like the color coding really helps when I just need to really just get stuff done. So I have different names for the list, but I find that having that toolkit, like Brad, you have your tools too with the way you time manage, that ability to change up the way I do my to-do list helps a lot because not every way works every day. Plus, I just want to say uh, Paul's lists are, are beautiful to look at. It's like art. I think one of them supports a bed, right? <laughs> My sketchbook. Yeah, a sketchbook. <laughs> so the last topic I wanted to talk about, you know, in this age of communication where we have access to everything that everybody else is doing, um, and there's also guide, guidance to whatever you want to do, you can find examples of how to do it. You can see other people doing it. The concept of making something you and making it your own. Now, as artists, you know, as a visual artist, you know, that's kind of everything that I make is going to be uh, an expression of me and it's going to be unique. I feel like this is a challenge for people is to 
doing something in a way that is unique and brings forth themselves in it. So for instance, um, I had this idea of doing a, uh, and just as an example, I have an idea of doing like, cause I love to cook is doing like online, you know, showing people how to cook and maybe a podcast and blah, blah, blah. If you go, everyone's doing this. Like there isn't anything that you could oh. think of that there isn't, you can find someone that's already doing it. You know, in 2020, now that we have access to what everyone else in the world is doing, it's really hard to come up with something that you, that is you and unique to you and has you in it. What do you guys think of that idea or challenge or problem or solutions? I mean, Alex, I guess with you, you know, with your business, you're doing something that people are doing just like you all the time. How do you find a way to make it Alex? Yeah, I think it speaks to your, your level of authenticity. Um, you know, that, that's something I've kind of explored myself over the last several years I've been in the business, which is, I mean, I've been in the business for nine years now. But, you know, what I find that people enjoy most about me is my candor, <laughs> my, my enjoyment of, of unique, odd, crazy things like opera and old cars and old houses. And I share those things that I'm interested in on social media. I think it's just my approach too. you know, everybody, everybody's process is different with how they come up with either their art or their business strategy or any of those things. And everybody has their, you know, we talked about, you know, getting things done or first things first or any of those books, they're all about the same topic. They just approach it differently. So, I mean, I think that's really how you find that is, how do you take something that everybody knows about and how do you spin it in a way that you understand it? Because not everybody's going to think the same way you do. So, I mean, the people who really want to hear your story and what the art that you have to create, those, that's your tribe. You know, those are the people who you're really marketing to is the people who think like you do. No, that's very, that's exactly what I was looking for. Brad, how about you? I think in visual art, I think what it's been, for me is, yeah, that was, that was overwhelming um, studying art history and then, and then looking at um, a lot of, cause I look at a lot of contemporary artists whose work I see and I am always kind of disappointed when I see something that I had an idea to do and then somebody else did it. But what I, what I realized was once you find your voice, as an artist, it is a blend of, of all the influences that you've had and what you've seen and what you've studied. And I don't think about it anymore. I just kind of let it filter through me because I am confident enough in my, in my work now that my personality is always going to come through. So it doesn't matter if it's the same concept. Like Alex said, you know, there's all these books on time management. They're all the same topic, but they're, they're all slightly different or radically different because of a person writing the book and their approach. Understood. Makes sense. Hey, Paul, what do you think? I think in, as you said, in this day and age with so much availability of information and sharing of people's passions, it's, Finding yourself as an extension and expression of who you are to the world is less about what you create and more about why you create it. For okay. instance, 
I always stay grounded in a couple of mantras. Celebrate the uncelebrated is one I always try to employ in every project, whether it's design or art or making. And then others, like I, I, my big mission is to rescue resources from the landfill. And how does that turn into uh, give it new life for people to use? And so it's, it doesn't matter really what I make. I, I, it's my responsibility to make a cool thing that people like. But the fact that I'm keeping that uh, why in the foreground helps me define myself as me to other people. Um, is there anything else that you guys want to talk about? Anything you guys want to mention um, to people that's going on uh, that you want to share? Well, with COVID-19, as, as horrible uh, as a crisis as it is, I, I love noticing the way people are getting creative. Even the people that you would that would never consider themselves creative are doing new and interesting uh, uh, things in life, whether it be exercise or communicating with people or or, or taking on looking at things they couldn't look at in, uh, in piles that they couldn't go through and finding out new uh, new inspiration. So that's a good thing. I would agree. Well, thank you guys, Paul, Brad, and Alex. I very much appreciate you guys chatting with me and talking about these things that come up. So we'll do episode 75. Can I count on you guys to come back? You got Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yep. This, right. this, was, this was fun. And thank you for asking. Thank you. You're very welcome. All right. Bye guys. Right. Bye. Bye. Have a good night. My name is Ricky McGuckrin and you have been listening to Eager to Know, the podcast. If you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Eager to Know podcast.